Let me begin by thanking uh, the great leaders of the society for thinking of and allowing me to participate this evening. I'd also like to thank Craig, uh, who's not only a board, board member here, but he's known uh, throughout the district as a champion uh, for Fort Norfolk. Uh, he's also a senior program manager and a leader in our organization. I'm normally doling out tasks to Craig and his team, uh, but tonight the tables are turned. Craig signed me up for this task. <laughs> but I got to tell you, Craig, I've been looking forward to it. So this is one that I'm excited uh, to be here this morning. But I do want to thank you for exercising tasking authority and returning the favor. Uh, but I got some for you tomorrow. <laughs> I'd also like to thank all of you for coming out uh, tonight. Uh, I'm honored to have a chance to share and certainly to present uh, before such an esteemed group. As I, as I look out, I see friends. I see folks that understand the importance of history, understand the importance of the past and the role that it plays in our future. I want to use uh, this talk tonight uh, to share a bit of history. I intend to tug on a few threads, historic threads, between me, you, historic Fort Norfolk, you see, presenting this evening in a building with such rich history is also a treat for me. As a West Point grad, I've long held General MacArthur in high regard, uh, this memorial's namesake. His thoughts on competition and the fields of friendly strife are legendary at the Academy. His 1962 farewell address to the Corps of Cadets is recognized as one of the great speeches in American history. In it, he speaks of our beloved land of culture. He speaks of our commitment to protect it. He speaks of the ethics of the American soldier. Duty, honor, country. Those three hallowed words, General MacArthur suggests, reverently dictate what cadets ought to be, what they can be, what they will be. He considers them rallying points. I've been a soldier my entire adult life. And every time I hear uh, the speech, I swell with pride and honor. For I don't take this privilege that's been bestowed upon me for granted. Uh, I'm a young inner city kid from Flint, Michigan. I'm honored to be a custodian of our nation's defense. I'm honored to wear this uniform. You see, I departed Flint two weeks after completing high school and began to fashion myself a soldier at the United States Military Academy at West Point. Following my four-year trek, a journey filled with ups, downs, highs, lows, wins, and losses, I was christened an officer and a gentleman. I was commissioned an engineer officer. And for the last 20 plus years, I've been deployed to sites throughout this country and around the world. I've commanded at every level, from platoon to brigade. But upon achieving the rank of colonel, my command assignment brought me here to Norfolk, Virginia, and the Norfolk District. 
And it's in this capacity that I'm honored to be not only the district commander, but as Craig said, I'm also the commandant of Fort Norfolk. It's unofficial, but I'm proud nonetheless. For many years, I've tried to take a long, slow endurance run on Sunday mornings. And over the years, slow has become slower. <laughs> and, and I imagine in, in, in due time, it will become a walk. Not long after we relocated here from Northern Virginia, uh, during one of my runs, I happened upon the West Point Cemetery. And as I moseyed along Princess Anne, I thought to myself, why, why is there a West Point Cemetery in Norfolk, Virginia? So I had to check it out. And so upon completion of my run, I got back to my house and I typed it into the Google machine. And I got some data. Not quite as satisfying, so I'm roaming and, and, and combing through what I got. But shortly thereafter, there was an article published in the pilot. And what I thought would be the first connection to my new duties, the first thread, turned out to be not connected at all. You see, the West Point Cemetery has no connection to my former home on the Hudson. The cemetery is so named because it is a western point of land that is contiguous to the Elmwood Cemetery. This was established in 1873 for the internment of black veterans of the Civil War. But upon entering the cemetery, you can't help but notice the large obelisk with a statue on top. The obelisk is a monument to honor black soldiers and sailors from all wars. The statue is of William Kearney. William Kearney escaped and shed the chains of slavery from right here in Norfolk. He eventually joined the 54th Massachusetts and fought in the Civil War. It's widely recognized as the first African-American to receive the Medal of Honor. So, I'll admit, the West Point thread didn't work. But I'm claiming a cultural connection to William Kearney and a thread to the U.S. Army. The most central figure, however, connecting the threads of Fort Norfolk and me and the U.S. Army is Colonel and later Brevet Brigadier General Walker Keith Armstead. Armstead was an engineer officer and the third graduate from West Point. He was brilliant and would later become the eighth chief of engineers. Armstead was the engineer officer for fortifications in the Chesapeake and supervised the improvements that transformed Fort Norfolk into a second system fort. Armstead is also a little known hero of the Battle of Craney Island. While Armstead prepared the defenses at Craney Island, General Robert Taylor, who was in overall command of the regular and militia forces, convened a war council that voted to abandon those same defenses. After convincing Taylor the island could be defended, a second war council was assembled and this time voted to defend the island, which it did successfully and saved Virginia's largest port, the Gosport Navy Yard, and the USS, USS Constellation. But Walker had a younger brother, 
George. George was also an Army officer, and he commanded Fort McHenry during the Battle of Baltimore. The star-spangled banner was flying high over the fort, and a certain poet took notice. Our national anthem was inspired by the events at the Battle of Baltimore, one of the key moments in the War of 1812, when Francis Scott Key saw the American flag flying above Fort McHenry amidst the cannon fire, he was inspired to write the historic poem, Defense of Fort McHenry, which later became the song we know as our national anthem. So what's the thread? We have a fellow engineer officer who also attended West Point that built much of Fort Norfolk, whose brother was the commanding officer of one of the most famous battles in U.S. history. But we're not done with Walker Armstead yet. There's more. Walker had a son, Lewis. Lewis also attended the U.S. Military Academy at West Point, but I must admit he didn't complete the journey. There exists debate as to whether academic challenges or the instance when he broke a plate over Jubal Early's head resulted in his subsequent resignation. I don't know. I don't know. He would later be commissioned nonetheless and fight for the Confederacy during the Civil War. In fact, he played a rather significant role during the Battle of Gettysburg under Robert E. Lee, another West Point grad and another engineer officer. So now we're establishing threads. How about another Walker Armstead connection? This one's even more interesting. Gotta go back a few more years, but Walker's uncle William owned a slave named James. James was transferred to the service of the Colonial Army under Marquise de Lafayette. Started as a messenger, but was later employed as a spy. He successfully gained the confidence of both General Benedict Arnold and Charles Cornwallis. The information provided by James helped Lafayette trap the British in Hampton and then Cornwallis in Yorktown. Since James was a spy and not a soldier, he didn't receive emancipation for his service. It wasn't until 1787 that he was freed by an act of the General Assembly. It's worth noting that James changed his last name from Armstead to Lafayette in recognition of the efforts made by Marquise de Lafayette towards his freedom. Now that we've established an assortment of Armstead family connections, let's return to Fort Norfolk. After Armstead, the fort was commanded by another engineer officer and West Point grad, Sylvanius Thayer. I should highlight here that 13 years ago, I was an instructor in the Department of Mathematics at West Point where we employed the Thayer method. Under the Thayer method, students do the work before class, they prepare the night prior, and then they arrive at class and they ask questions on that assignment and that work that they perform the prior night and in preparation for the work that they'll do that evening in preparation for class tomorrow. I have fond memories of this technique. It's very effective, I might add, but I digress. 
Leading up to the Battle of Craney Island, a significant weakness in the Norfolk defenses was recognized. The east or landward side of Fort Norfolk was nearly undefended. Thayer constructed works for the landward defense of the fort. Thayer went on to become the superintendent of West Point, and it was then that he introduced his formalized method of instruction. I'll offer another connection between myself, Fort Norfolk, and Sylvanus Thayer. Twelve years ago, I was the aide-de-camp to the superintendent at West Point, who resided in the home that was once uh, Sylvanus Thayer's home. And so I'm really feeling this thread. I'm really feeling this connection. Thayer is affectionately known as the father of West Point uh, and is uh, certainly a special figure uh, in the becoming of that institution that to this day continues to produce uh, officers uh, in the long gray line. The Battle of Craney Island provides our final thread of the evening. Captain Peter Blow was an officer in the Virginia militia and served in the battle. Blow had a slave named Sam. The Blow family and their slaves moved west to Alabama and then Missouri. When Blow died, Sam was sold to an army surgeon named John Emerson. And after Emerson died, sold to John Sanford. For those that haven't picked up on this storyline or aren't familiar with these names, while in Alabama, Sam changed his name to Dred Scott. Scott is known for unsuccessfully suing for his freedom and that of his wife and their two daughters in the Dred Scott v. Sanford case of 1857. Okay, so there you have it. Some of the many threads that comprise the fabric of Fort Norfolk. I'm confident that there's more. This story is far from complete. In fact, over the past few years, work by folks like Chris and Steve have added new threads that I'm sure will continue to be built upon. There's much to be discovered and rediscovered. I'm really looking forward to it. Before tonight's presentation, I had a chance to discuss getting my hands on some photos that will further the story that we attempt to tell from our duties, our work at Fort Norfolk. I'm honored to be a part of it. I'm curious and look forward to hearing about the unearthing of these new findings. I'm confident that we'll be able to establish many more new threads. Thank you for your attention this evening and really appreciate the opportunity to share.